This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wall Street Coach Podcast. Lucas and I today are very lucky to have Kathy Donnelly here today, the author of The Life Cycle Trade. Her book is so good. It's and so, so much overview and yet spoken in such plain speak English. There is nothing over your head or feeling academic. It, it's just so simple to understand. Kathy, I'm so glad you're here. So thank you for your book and for coming to our podcast. Thank you so much. It's very kind of you. I appreciate the invite. I love knowing that I'm talking to you while you're in Hawaii. That's super exciting. That's why I'm wearing my Roxy shirt today. <laughs> so yeah, let's have fun. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, if you guys don't know, uh, let me just tell you the co the subtitle to her book is how to win at trading ipos and super growth stocks we got introduced to kathy and her book uh thanks to shane dorian who was on our podcast not that long ago who is a big wave surfer but also uh definitely uh experienced sophisticated trader he's been trading for 14 years shane just raved about your book kathy and he was like you have to have her on the podcast i was like well whatever you say shane goes so i will do it <laughs> that's awesome thank you thank you shane <laughs> yeah right I'll, I'll, he'll be so excited that you wore uh, that shirt so that's He'll be, he'll be impressed. I know it. <laughs> All right. So here's Kathy's bio. She, uh, Kathy Donnelly received her degree of electrical engineering from the University of Houston. And despite a successful career in the oil and gas industry, her goal to manage her own money uh, has, was there for, I presume, a long time. But you can tell us in a minute. It was in 2006 when she met her team members in Naperville, Illinois and was able to fulfill her dream and start trading actively. Today, she manages her own money while pursuing fitness goals. And she recently became a two-time Ironman finisher, which is unbelievable. And of course, we have the Ironman here on the big island. And her mentors include the study team members, William O'Neill, Dan uh, Zanker, and Peter Brandt. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you. Yes, if I'm lucky, uh, maybe I'll make it to the big island for the Ironman. I'll qualify. So that will be super exciting. I have to say that. <laughs> I've, uh, I've rooted a, a gal on for the Ironman. And I was at two different locations when she came through. And at the end of that race, I mean, watching people cross that finish line, especially late at night after going all day, I, I just was weeping at their fortitude and their perseverance. It's the most inspiring finish line I could ever be imagined standing on. It's incredible. Yeah, totally. I hope to be there one day. <laughs> well, you've already been there. You've done two Ironman. When did yeah, you but not in Kona. I got to get to Kona. Okay. <laughs> okay. But any finish line, sister. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Thank you. <laughs> So tell us, like you spoke, uh, your bio speaks to how, you know, you um, wanted to always manage your money. Where did that interest even come from? Yeah, well, you know, I was really lucky. Uh, both of my parents um, were investors. I mean, they had, you know, uh, well, my dad worked full time and my mom was a stay at home mom. And um, my dad learned from his father who invested. And so he was always telling us about the importance to, to put money away and to invest so that you can have money for retirement and, you know, for things that may happen along the way, because your salary, depending on what you do, may or may not be enough. So he just always imparted that wisdom on us to get involved into investing and, you know, he'd given us some money and, um, you know, told us we could pick a stock here and there. And the one I picked never did well. I don't think it went bankrupt or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, so that was in my head, you know, growing up. And so it wasn't really until, I guess, after high school into college where I had saved up some money. I, you know, I 
when I was 16, I, I worked and always was saving my money because that was the other thing. Save your money, save your money so you'll have money for retirement. So I was like already saving my money at 16 and then trying to learn to invest once I went to college. And so gone to, you know, discount stockbrokers or this here and there and just tried so many different methods until finally I came across William O'Neill's book, How to Make Money in Stocks. And then that's what really clicked for me. And then I've just been on this journey uh, more directed journey ever since. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> amazing. It's amazing to have had that influence at such a early age. You're so fortunate. I think that makes a big difference, like just being exposed to it. Uh, I was also excited to have you on this podcast because you're a woman and I wish we could have more women on this podcast, but there's not as many in this industry uh, as I wish there were. So I'm just curious how, how has that, has that impacted you in any way? Has it given you an edge? Oh, I think it's definitely given me an edge. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think this is the first podcast I've ever done that you're a woman is hosting it. I actually get to talk to a fellow female. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of unusual. Not Nothing against you, Lucas. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you know, but yeah, usually it's, it's, you know, there's a male counterpart on the other side. But, um, you know, I always, I guess, considered myself a little bit of a tomboy. And, you know, I was into scouting and sports. And then going into engineering, that was also very male dominant, but I never really thought about it. I was just like, it was like, didn't really efface me that I was, you know, the only female. So I don't know if that's just because of the way I was raised or not. It just, just didn't really affect me. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and then luckily, uh, when I joined this, the meetup that when I lived in Illinois and met my co-authors, Eve Bobach. You know, she was, again, one of the few females that was there. And just I just kind of like, you know, latched on to her, got to know her, and then became the best of friends. So it's nice to have her, like, you know, we both do the same thing. We both have the same passion. So we can, like, travel together and have fun, but we can still talk stocks and all that kind of thing. Awesome. But luckily, yeah, I think my dad just always did teach us, you know, do your best. And, you know, like when you're going for the gold medal or anything that you're doing is as long as you, there's no question you're the best at what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, you know, you earned it. And, um, you know, it's all about meritocracy in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I don't yeah. even think about it. <laughs> beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, one of the things that, you know, Shane, as he was, you know, just he wanted to be here today and help us uh, co-host. He was going to be a guest uh, co-host. <laughs> that would have been so cool. <laughs> um, but he is such a jet setter. He just, he was like leaving on a flight right as we were recording. So he couldn't come, but he did send us some questions. So I'm going to actually open with his because I feel like, you know, that's my way of thanking him for turning us on to you. Uh, one of the things that he was asking was that he's, very curious about how you're looking at this current market, you know, because of the massive sell-off that we had uh, in so many sectors. How do you now find those best-looking stocks that are setting up in this kind of environment? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, well, for sure, um, and I know Shane will know this, you know, Bill O'Neill's uh, follow-through day uh, methodology, the way that he tracks you know, when a new potential rally is starting and, and, you know, too much probably to, to explain right now, but, you know, basically when you hit your new low, that's kind of like a day one situation. And then every, if you don't still keep going lower, then you start counting days. And so like the lowest low we had so far was what Monday, I think. Right. And yeah. then, so yesterday was day two, today is day three. So actually tomorrow, based on Bill O'Neill's rules, if we don't have some crazy reversal at the end of the day today, we'll have a day four fall through day. So that's uh, one way, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to work, but it just means that there's the potential that a new rally is going to start. And Bill O'Neill would teach us to, you know, dip our toes in and, and, and buy something. There aren't a lot of setups out there and, um, you know, unless you're a bottom fisher, which, you know, I, I am not. Uh, but the other thing I want to share is in addition to, you know, kind of following Bill's rules, um, 
I also just want to watch the trend lines, right? So simply the 10 day moving average and the 21 exponential moving average, you know, when those start to then trend up, then, you know, that also tells you, okay, something's happened, right? And that's just in a 10, 21 day type period. Sometimes it coincides with the fall through day from the Bill O'Neill system. Sometimes they're ones before the other a day or two, but they, they pretty much go in sync. But I think it's good to watch both because you have, you know, a pure technical of just a moving average. And then you also have the fall through day, but it also, it takes into account, you know, you have to have above average volume on that day. And you have to have a gain of like 1.2 to 1.4% that day as well. So you have to have volume and price. And, you know, sometimes you might have one that looks like a follow through day. You're not sure and you're still waiting. But if you see those trend lines and that can give you the additional, okay, I think this may actually be, you know, in case sometimes it tries to sneak by. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um... So that's what I'm doing, basically. Yeah. And then I'm looking for that in the stocks as well, the trend change in the stocks, where you can also similarly look at the 10-day moving average or the 21 EMA and, um, you know, looking for those bottoms that are happening on some of those top stocks, whether they're IPOs or, you know, more mature uh, big cap names. So it's yeah. <laughs> awesome. I just want to point out, I think, um, for, for our listeners, um, you are a position trader, right? Or like even... Like how long is your current, like your standard hold time? Yeah. So, I mean, if I can hold a stock for a year, year and a half, then that's, yeah, that's my long-term goal for yeah. sure. Okay. So if that's how you officially define position trader, yeah. then yes, I'm know. definitely not a swing <laughs> trader. Okay. <laughs> Unless yeah. I'm getting shaken out, you know, cause sure. I do follow also the Bill O'Neill rule, you know, 8% in, and maybe even sooner in this type of volatile market, you know, I'm cutting my losses. So yeah, I want 20% to 50%, you know, which may or may not, will usually won't be in a year's time. But if I can get to that 50% mark, then I've, for me, usually that's that um, kind of gate passed. And then I can usually get to a year, year and a half. Wow. Did you start with Will O'Neill's style from the beginning? Oh, no, I... I, you know, my parents were value investors. So I, I looked into value investing and, you know, looking for stocks that pay good dividends. And, and that didn't really kind of work for me because I didn't want to have to hold on to these slower moving stocks for long periods of time in order to retire. Plus it was like, you're looking out five years and I wanted to retire at 30. So I was like, <laughs> that isn't going to work for me. Uh, then I saw my parents always were like, oh, when a stock splits, it's so good. So then I would like look at all the stocks that split and maybe buy one of those. It was like completely random, all these different things. And then I met a person that did penny stocks. I'm like, oh, I should try penny stocks. And that didn't work for me. So yeah, I did try uh, quite a few other things until I finally got to Bill's book. And then that yeah. finally, I didn't have to look anymore. <laughs> and what do you think? Did it, did it like speak to you right away as soon as you read his book? Like it clicked and I liked the aspect of the chart, but I think the number one thing that like really helped was that Bill was a big promoter of IBD meetups. Mm -hmm. And you, I don't know if you're familiar, are you familiar with the IBD meetups? No. Yeah. yeah so Bill O'Neill started a thing and, and they still do it today. And there's a lot of them online. So people that are interested from all over. Uh, there's there's many great ones. Boston IBD meetup, for example. There's a Greenville IBD meetup. But basically, he you know provided this avenue through the Meetup.com system to create local meetups where you know people that are like-minded and also interested in Bill's book would would learn together in, in a library type setting. So when I first picked up his book, I found out right away about the IBD meetups and there was one in my, where I was living just, you know, 20 minutes away. So immediately I got to go and learn with other people. And that's again, where I met my co-authors. So um, I forgot the question now, but. <laughs> well, it sounds like that book, it, it gave you a, a support system and an anchor. Cause like, it yes. sounds like, right. Yes. Yeah, so, right. That was the question. So did it click right away? Um, I got into it. I immediately yeah. went to the meetup. I had the support system. So immediately I had mentors and coaches yeah. 
yeah. and you know, you ask a question, you raise your hand. Why are you saying this and that? And I mean, I, and I was the one that was always raising my hand. Well, well why not this one? Why not that one? And yeah. Yeah. really immersed myself into the group and, and learning, which is why I probably met my co-authors there and were lifelong friends. Yeah. Um, you know, because of, because of that, because we were trying to learn together. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I didn't know about those meetings, but Lucas was saying, yes, he does know about those meetings. And I know Lucas has read your book four times, right? Lucas, four or five times. Oh, not life cycle trade. No, I've read, but yeah, how to make money in stocks. Yeah. Gotcha. I've read. Oh, okay, good. Okay. That's exactly. the one you definitely need to read a lot. Of. <laughs> but I will, I will eventually read your book four or five times. Okay, good. Exactly. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> So did you did you have a follow up question there, Lucas? I don't want to cut you. Uh, off. No, I just wanted to make sure that we were on the on the. You know, I guess one of my questions would be like right now. Um, you know, with the with the correction that's happening, um, are you is this a position where you're in, uh, you know, in cash, or are you you still holding positions that are maybe up? You know, something like I don't know if you were in like Nvidia or Tesla that are up still a bunch from you know a year and a half ago. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, since you brought it up, um, I have to disclose it, right? So yeah, I still have, I have NVIDIA um, from, well, we could look at a chart, but yeah, I'm up, I think I'm up around 200, three, I think it was maybe 300 now, it's probably because it's corrected, probably 200 and so odd percent. Uh, so I am holding that still. And, but yeah, I've sold all my others. Uh, Snowflake was a stock I talked about uh, many times in, in different interviews I've done. You know, I had to cut it. it you know, I was hoping that that was going to be my next hold for a year, year and a half. But like all the other stocks, they rolled over. So I had to preserve my 20 to 30% gains that I had. Um, but, you know, if the market hadn't rolled over, you know, I had, that was one of the ones I was hoping would, would be potentially like NVIDIA is now. Um, but you know, it wasn't. So you have to, you know, follow your rules and, and go on. So yeah, I'm majority, I'm in cash and I'm just waiting. Uh, like I, well, like others like me are also waiting. Um, uh, and you know, so tomorrow, like I was saying, tomorrow could be potentially a fall through day. So I'll have to find something to buy, but I'll be honest, I don't really see a lot of stocks and that's another indication because you know, you could have that signal, but if there's no setups, and, you know, a new setup after a low could take easily four to five, seven weeks. So, you know, you have to be, you have to be patient and you have to, you know, trade what works for you. So for me, that could still be a, a while. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I know Shane's pointing out was just that you have these very strict and clear rules uh, that you really stay true to. Uh, and I'm just curious if you're open to sharing some of those strict rules with our listeners. Yeah, of course. Well, a lot of them I, I learned from Will O'Neill. I mean, he was, he was very about, you have to have rules and, you know, they have to work for your personality. So my rules, you know, might not work for you or for Lucas or, you know, even Shane, you know, <laughs> right. Because you have to, you, you have to work with your, your personality. So um, I guess one thing, I'll just go ahead and share my screen. Please. If, please. Okay, so you can see my presentation now? Yeah, you yeah. sure can. Okay, so this is going to be kind of weird because I have two screens. So to look at you, I have to look okay. here. Actually, you don't even have to look at us. You can just look at your, uh, yeah, whatever works for you. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I can look at my screen. I've never actually done this. So oh, it, it's right here, too, and it's right there. So I might have to turn my head a couple of times, just so you know. Got it. All right. Um, okay. So, you know, the disclaimer, of course, all the things, but what I wanted to talk about was mental capital preservation because the email you sent to me about maybe something that we could cover based on Shane's question about, you know, how do I hold for the long term? And for me, it's really about mental capital preservation. And this is something we talk about in the book. Um, and I've really latched onto it uh, for myself. Uh, but basically, it comes from Jesse Livermore. You know, he was one of the greatest traders of all time. And he said that preserving mental capital is more important than preserving physical capital. And I'm sure, Kim, you understand this because, you know, it's all about our thoughts and our feelings about things, right? So, you know, if we're thinking <laughs> that, oh, my God, I'm taking another loss or this or that versus, well, yeah, I'm taking a loss, but that's because my rule triggered and that's just how it works. No big deal, right? And so you can totally, you know, 
change your emotion just based on that thought process. Um, so in the life cycle trade, we, 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 we um, created or coined this like holding method. Um, and basically it's determined on the minimum percentage of profits to retain while holding a leading stock for a bigger move. So here's kind of the, the just uh, easy summary. And I start this chart at, at 50% because I think I alluded to earlier. Yeah. Once I get like a 50% gain or more, then that's where I'm starting to look for the longer, longer term, that year, year and a half. Uh, you know, anything less than that, you know, the drawdowns are too much. And, and you know, you got to like the Bill O'Neill, you're going to take most of your profits at 20, 30%. So that's what's, you know, really important uh, ultimately. But once you have that big winner, 50% or more, here you see the drawdowns you have to withstand to as it moves up. So the more you make, the drawdowns are bigger, but your profits are also bigger too. So I think a lot of people, they just focus on like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm giving this much money back. But I'm looking at it like, well, yeah, if I buy a stock at a first stage base, which is what Bill teaches us to do, and a, and a true market leader or a super growth stock, whichever term you want to use, is going to go through first stage, second, third, fourth stages. And, and other uh, famous investors have different terms for it. Sure. You know, they're going to correct, yep. right? So if I know that going in and I have a certain minimum profit percentage, then mentally I'm okay with that. My mental capital, I guess you could say, is preserved. Yes. Really so, yeah, so I really just look at it, and now this is a little bit lower. I mean, when I say lower, I'm showing the chart for a retention of 45% profits and a retention of 35% profits. And the reason why we did this in the book is because we were really looking longer term. But for me personally, in my own portfolio, I really, I just want to maintain, retain 50% of my profits. That's all for me. <laughs> like, that's, that's fine with me. And that keeps me with a steady equity curve and you know because I know I'm never gonna get at the very bottom again Bill taught us that and I'm never gonna sell it at, at the top so um, so yeah 50% is kind of like my marker and I'm gonna show you a chart where I did that and and this is from the book on how you calculate it yeah. uh, you know it's basically the buy price plus the peak price the 52 week high minus that buy price you know, MCP die 100, and that's how you get 56. And you can pick your percentage, you know, maybe yeah. you want to retain 90% of your profit. So you're going to have a really tight. <laughs> but if you're willing for the long haul, I think 50, 60% is good. And then if you really think you have the next big, like, you know, I don't know, Apple or Microsoft or Tesla, then maybe you could go even 35%. And Tesla is a really great example because it actually is retaining. If you had bought it, like when it first, first came out, and, and we can look at a chart of that too, you would actually still be holding it if you were willing to, you know, uh, only retain 35% of your profits. Wow. Which seems crazy. It does. But, but the 35% at this level, if you had bought it there, is still like, you know, millions and millions of dollars, depending on how much you had initially invested, which is what's so crazy about it. You don't even think about it. Wow. Like, oh, that's only 35%, but because it had appreciated so much. Yeah. So, really? and then, you know, some people can say, well, what about when it consolidated that's dead money? And then again, that's all your personality. And what do you, yes. what do you need to do? What's your temperament and what's your stomach, you know? <laughs> Strong your stomach, right, right. But you, you're strengthening your stomach with these calculations. That's what I'm. Yes, yes. You're, you're finding a place to anchor so that your expectations are managed in in a very mathematical way. Exactly, exactly. And because I always like math and science, being the engineer that I exactly. am, exactly. Um, yeah, that. That worked for me. So here, I just wanted to show you CrowdStrike. So this Please. is uh, the most recent long-term hold that I sold. Um, and I really like this example because this also is, you know, right here. Do you see my cursor? Yes, we do. Okay, so this was the pandemic bear right here, right? So this is where we were going lower. Here's the S&P at that time. You know, we were looking for, you know, what's going to be coming up next. And this is a great example because you see I was drawing like a double bottom. And that's one of the classic patterns, a double bottom pattern. And so I actually was buying it where I had this little pointer thing. 
as it came back over the 40 week line. So, you know, I didn't buy it as it necessarily as it was coming to the bottom. And unfortunately I don't have the data when the actual follow through day happened. Um, but I was buying it after the follow through day for sure. I can tell you that. Um, I just don't know the exact date right here in this point. These are my first, my first position. And then I draw a line here because this is the turbulent zone we talk about in the book. So basically you have the IPO base. It went up a little bit and it created this prior high. And so whenever it comes back to this high, it's going to create turbulence most, most more often than not. And so that's another kind of like marker. I like to get in before that if I can and then keep adding as it gets through. So I was also making ads in here and probably in here as well. So this is what, you know, as one example of what hopefully I'll be looking for and finding whenever this market turns around. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't, some of these recent IPOs, even from last year, I mean, they're really, really down low. So it's yeah. going to be really challenging. So I don't know, actually be honest with you, if there's really going to be a whole lot of IPOs. And I think that's actually a signal, right? We had so many IPOs coming in the market that, you know, that's another reason why everything kind of has crashed as it, as it has. Yeah. Uh, so we may not have a strong a year, um, but we'll see, you know, but nonetheless, looking for something like this. And um, I'm going to show you uh, these little alerts that I created. So I was holding it all through this and even up in here. And the 40 week line started to roll over. So this is where it's like, okay, is it, is it going to make it or not? Yeah. So I've got an MCP 60. So that's retention of 60% of gains. And this was from my low cost buy point and it was at 197. So it was right in here. So I was definitely not going to let it go any lower than this point right here. But I also use the 40 week rule and we haven't really touched on that, but that's another rule we kind of give into the book for those that are um, interested in long-term holds. Yeah. It has, when we studied it, it had the most profits um, gain, but it also had the highest drawdowns, right? Because you're holding it for such a long time and, you know, you're holding through all these bases, which, you know, a lot of people don't want to do. Um, so basically right here, when what I personally do is I sell when it breaks the 40 week and then my um, retention of profits of 60 and, and 50 are at, uh, are coming into play. Now you see this one's 197, but I use my highest cost basis, which is this next one, which is right around the turbulence zone. So I thought that would be a good marker right here, which was at 214. And so that was approximately, I think the same, let me see what that, Yes, that was at 232, so 214. I was selling it in here at this point. And then I just for fun, I did the 35%. Yeah. Only because there are some stocks that have held that. NVIDIA, uh, Tesla, which I just mentioned. Um, now, this, this is pretty trusting, and I haven't been able to do it yet. But it is something that I'm kind of looking into on the side just to see if there's, um, you know, like how common is it because i mean really i amazon broke it um think well i don't want to say how many i haven't looked at a whole lot but but tesla did has held it and um so is nvidia so i'm just kind of like You're how do you find those yeah. <laughs> always looking into more so anyway that was a lot of information does that all make sense any questions no i think one observation I have is, uh, I think you think you're right though. It, it seems hard to try to hold through that much of a drawdown, like that mental capital rule, right? Like that's, I, I feel like that's the, the part that stresses most people out is when you see something that goes from 50% down to 30% and, or 35%, how do you stomach that, right? Yeah. Right. Well, let's look at the, so this is why I wanted to bring this up too. Let me oh. show you this. So these are the cell rules we talked about in the book. Um, and so I just, this is what I just updated for you guys. Um, so we bought them all on April 20th. So that was, uh, let's see, April 20th. So I was showing a, you know, basically where I had bought it. So right in here. Okay. So that's the buy. And then when did they all sell? So the 40 week rule, November 26, your gain was 244%. So that was right here. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And then uh, the midterm rule, this one looks at the, the 10 week line. So the red line. Mm -hmm. So right when it was breaking in here. So Lucas, you were saying, you know, well, I don't know if I could stomach, you know, all that. Well, that's what the midterm rule is. So it's kind of like, well, it's half and half, I guess you could say. <laughs> Uh, you know, here it was breaking the 40-week line, and uh, I don't, you know, we don't have time to go into all the details, but essentially it was taken out here, and that gave you 171%. But again, it took, if you, like, I, this rule is good for me and, and, and my personality, then, you know, it can take those emotions out of it. And then the ascender rule is kind of like a three-part rule where it takes some off at the first break of, I believe the 21 and then the 50, and then the last one is based on 18 months or 500%, whichever one comes first. So this shows you the percentage gains at each of the different levels and then the overall of 117. So um, I'm gonna skip by the Everest rule because that's more of a parabolic high mover, but yeah. you can see which one was the highest return, the 40 week, 244, uh, 171 maybe is still just as respectable and maybe less uh, mental anguish, <laughs> depending <laughs> on your personality. Nope. And then the ascender rule, um, you know, a little less, right? But you're, you're taking gains on the way up. So that also could, you know, help from a mental standpoint. But from my perspective, I'm good with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with the 244. And you know, hopefully one day I hope to catch the one that, you know, still hasn't broken the 40 week line or even goes even longer. They're out there. I, I can't quote one specifically. Um, but that's, I guess that's my ultimate goal. I mean, Shopify was, is close and, you know, it's broken like all rules and just seems to keep going. I haven't looked at it recently, but um, Shopify is such a great one. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm going off track, but Long so time. how do I do it? That's, that's how I do it. I use, I use mental capital preservation and, um, you know, these percentages to help me for the, for the long term. So did you start out with this knowledge of your stamina at those different levels? Did you grow into it over time? And give us also just how long this you've been doing this for timeline. Yeah, I absolutely have been. Um, I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing my screen. You can go back to it if you guys sure. want later. Um, yeah, because when I started, when I was learning from Bill O'Neill, you know, I immersed myself into the material and the curriculum and I went to the in-person seminars, which unfortunately, you know, don't really have those anymore. Um, but we have all these great podcasts now. So that's <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, he would, he, they, at the beginning of the seminar, they would go, it would usually go, it would be in December and they'd go over all the great stocks from that year, you know, and they'd be like, okay, if you bought it here, you know, kind of like I was showing you with CrowdStrike, you buy it here, you sell it here, you know, 300% gain and then buy it here next one, you know, 500%, you know, all in this like year, year and a half time frame, And it would always be showing it when it broke off at the 40 week line. So I was, cause I, in my mind, I'm like, well, how are they doing this? How are they getting these great? I'm like, oh, well, they're just literally holding it all this time until it breaks that line. So when my co-authors and I got together and we were trying to come up with rules to test, I was like, we got to have a 40 week line so that, you know, wow. you know, cause I want to see what it is. Cause that's the kind of trader I wanted to be. Cause that's what I would see on the screen and I would aspire to. So that's really how it happened. Wow. And, and I was working full time at the time. So I only could look at stocks really in the evening. Um, and so that was the other thing I wanted to be able to, you know, work out, train for Ironmans, maybe go on a trip and go surfing, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so I didn't want to be the, you know, tied to the computer swing trading and all those kinds of things. That was just, just not the person I wanted to be. Wow. Did you find this uh, mental capital equation over time? Did you, did you manage your expectations right from the get-go, realizing, okay, I'm going to have to be with these volatile stomach drops, and I'm not going to let that, you know, burn my, burn right through my courage to stick <laughs> with it? You know, I really, 
didn't know about that. That that the mental capital preservation rule is really all thanks to Eric Kroll. Um, he, uh, you know, one of my co-authors. So my co-authors, I didn't say their names earlier. I should give them all a shout out. Eve Bobach, Eric Kroll, and Kurt Dale. Um, just really great people. But Eric Kroll, really, he created in his own mind, and actually it might have been him and Kurt. I don't, I don't remember. So Kurt, I'm sorry if I forgot exactly. He came up with mental capital preservation and he came up with a mathematical equation. So I was already doing the 40 week line on my own for, you know, based on what I told you earlier, going to all those level fours um, web seminars with William O'Neill. So I was already doing that. And then when I started uh, paying more attention to what Eric was talking about and incorporating that, I was like, oh yeah, that helps even more because now I know I'm not giving up all my gains because I knew I was giving up gains, but I saw these high percentages with it. So I was like, that's okay. But now I know, okay, I'm retaining at least 50%. I feel even better about it than I did before. Yep. Yep. So that, that began right at the get go. Do you, do you feel how many years now you've been at this? Uh, bill system 2005. Well, it's a long time. What's changed yeah. <laughs> from when, when you started to now internally for yourself around how you do this? I think the thing that's changed the most, and really just since we wrote the book, uh, so I guess the book's three years old now since we, yeah, about three, three years, um, is that I just, I've, I've narrowed my focus. Um, so I really am trying to just focus on IPOs and specifically, uh, this transition from the institutional due diligence phase to the, uh, institutional advance phase. So this, this right here, we, we call the institutional due diligence phase. Yep. And then once it passed the turbulent zone, we call that in the institutional advance phase. So I really try to focus everything in this one area because again then I can if I can get in early and the stock is a strong stock a super growth stock you know changing the way we live work and play then I can just sit then I don't have to do anything <laughs> and you know wait and then look for another one and so I really have narrowed my focus um, more than anything yeah because yeah, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve, which was to not have to work in the corporate world. And so now it's just about um, narrowing in and focusing on what I do best. And so by focusing on those type of trades, that's what I do best. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I, I have a question because that's something we talk about a lot with, with our traders is, um, uh, how long did it take you to realize what you did best? Honestly, it probably didn't take me that long. Um, I mean, I was, well, I don't know if I was lucky, not lucky. So I feel like uh, 2009, you know, the 2009 bull market that started in what, April or so, 2009, you know, 2009, 2011. Like that was my first real big success. I had Apple and Priceline and, Wow. And I was able to hold them for a really long time. In fact, if I had known about the mental capital preservation rule or even what I know now, I'd probably still have Apple potentially. I don't know, but that would have been really cool. Wow. Um, you know, and then also aspiring to be Bill and hearing the stories of Bill and putting a bunch of money and all the ones that were winning. Um, you know, I had a really great year or years in that time period. And that really kind of put me to that next level. And it was just doing what I just described, Lucas, which was getting in early and just holding on. So, and I had, you know, big gains. So I, I knew right away that that's what was going to work for me. Wow. It's amazing. Is, is there, was there, I'm curious now, what's the thought process during a correction? Uh, the thought process now is is patience mm -hmm. and 
um, you know, you see the big gains, you know, oh, now all of a sudden the stock's up 5%, you know, like on Monday or Tuesday, all those reversals, you know, they're tempting to, to buy. Um, but the situation that I keep trying to remind myself is, remember when I said, you know, I'm saying this to myself that uh, I don't have to get, <laughs> I don't have to, like, I want to only trade proper setups. I don't want to get sucked in, you know, because you get sucked into the excitement. Yeah. You do want to trade, right? You always want to trade. So I just always have to take that step back and say, okay, I don't want to just, you know, trade just for the sake of trading because I'm bored. You know, I want to be patient and wait for my setup. So I think the thought process is, yeah, just patience. And actually, I just put a sticky note on my computer to remind myself, you know, <laughs> and actually I wrote down what I said earlier, 10 uh -huh. day moving average wow, and 21 EMA and also shakeout plus three. So for those that may not be familiar, you can uh, Google shakeout plus three on the investors business daily website and it'll give you a definition. And I think it was, uh, I don't want to quote, but Bill O'Neill, was it Livermore also, I think? Oh, gosh, I feel so bad for not remembering exactly. <laughs> I just read it, too, because I was refreshing myself on the Google. But basically, it's almost like a double bottom type yeah. setup where, you know, undercuts a low and then it regains it plus three, then you can get in an early position. Um, so you're not necessarily, but you have to be prepared in case it doesn't work, of course. Um, but that, along with the trend change of the moving averages, um, those are what I want to wait for. And, and some of those, it's just, it's just too early yet. So just trying to be patient. But so, so it seems to me that you succeeded being patient. What do you attribute that to? Um, I mean, in general, I've usually tried to consider myself a pretty patient person, but um, you know, I've, I actually spent a lot of time last year, Kim, uh, on managing my, my thoughts and feelings and, um, you know, where, and I don't know if you've done this, you may be familiar with the TFA process from no. the life. No. So one of the podcasts I, I got listening to last year during the pandemic is, is the life coach school and I'm not purposely plugging them for any particular That's reason. Fine. Um, but uh, it was basically this, this model, Brooke Castillo created this model where you have a circumstance with your thoughts, feelings, and actions and what the result is. And you do both sides. So like the circumstances, um, I may trade, let's just, this is for an example. I don't, I would never make 10 trades in one day, but let's just pretend <laughs> <laughs> I made 10 trades today, you know, thought, Oh, I'm going to make money, you know? feeling, you know, desire, I don't know, you know, action, make 10 trades and whatever. I don't know. I, I'm kind of just not even probably doing I it right. It. But the result, you yep. know, end up losing money because I made too many trades. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Then on the other side, you have the same thing, right, about trading. But the thought is 10 trades is not going to make me more money. I need to wait for what works best for me, you know. So then my feeling might be, oh, calm reasonable <laughs> right I you know only make one trade because that was the only trade that matched my setup result feel good stick stuck with my plan prove to myself that you know I could do it or whatever you Just, know what I mean I do I do yeah. so it sounds like your that process it allowed you to step into if I do choose this direction this is what happens if I choose that this is what happens. Which one is going to probably suit me best at the end of it? Exactly. So I try to do those a lot and I, I do, I can do it on any aspect of my life. And then whenever my brain feels like all tangled up, that kind of like untangles it, brings me back to reality and yep. then just go about whatever. So and ultimately that is your way. It sounds to me of getting yourself self you're looking at your own way of operating you're becoming more self-aware more conscious to the motivators behind the actions you're taking yes yes exactly so when i see a day like monday where i'm tempted huge reversal stocks look like they're making bottoms 
you know, but then like on the other side, it's to be like, but it's only day one. <laughs> Let's not get too excited. <laughs> Let's wait for day four. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. I think that discipline and, you know, the bumping into the fear of missing out is, uh, you know, we, we talk to traders all the time and when they put their questions forward, they're, you know, they're like, why am I still afraid of missing out? Like, even though they, this is not their first rodeo, but it's, yes. it's so hardwired that unless you do really deep conscious work at looking at your options, it's, you're going to just keep falling back into that same groove. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's tricky. Uh, was there anything else in your uh, presentation that we didn't talk about? Because it's a beautiful presentation, and I'd <laughs> love to go back to it if there's some pieces there for our listeners that we can, before you know, we wrap up, as long as you're okay staying with us, I'd love to see more of you in action so that they can learn from you and see, you know. Sure. Well, we'll go. i got a few more minutes. Beautiful. I'll show you NVIDIA just because this was, um, you know, we were talking about mental capital preservation. It was literally the buy point all the way back from 2016. Wow. And I don't know if you remember, well, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember this because this was one of the ones where like it had this great run and then it kind of people out and it broke out on light volume so a lot of people didn't believe it and it ended up being this this amazing run obviously wow. and then of course it did break the 40-week line so i would probably would have been selling it here but i was talking about that 35 percent of you know retention of gains for for really really strong stocks that this one never undercut Wow. It was uh, 123 and the low was 124. So it was really close, but it never undercut. And your gain at that MCP still would have been 275%, right? So, you know, you look at that and you say, oh, yeah. Now, of course, if you looked at what it was at the high, you, again, you'd have that initial feeling if you didn't have a thought process behind right. it and what you were maybe going for. Um, but anyway... So this is one that you know I'm watching. So this was cut off in 2021. This is this is an old an old snapshot. Um, but that's one thing I'm looking into for studying. Um, oh, here you go. So this was at the end of uh, April earlier uh, last year. April, an unrealized gain at 570, and the current price of of Nvidia is more than that now, 1,600 percent. Wow. So something to look into, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm suffering. Uh, <laughs> so uh, secretly, I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of looking into that more. Um, let's see. Zoom, this, this is an old chart that I was going to try to update, but I think this one has undercut. Let's look at, uh, yeah, so this one undercut. So Zoom, Zoom didn't make it. Low price 108, MCP 11521. Um, let's look at the let's look at the actual chart here for a second. Sure. Zoom. Yeah, where are we at? Oh yeah, we're all the way down to, to 140 now. Oh. I mean, we're almost back to <laughs> just crazy. Now you'll see here, this is one thing I was watching. I'll share this with everybody. This is something I haven't talked about before. So sometimes, you know, it will break that 40-week line and then it'll come back above it. Um, you know, I was thinking here potentially where I'm drawing my cursor, maybe this was going to be some kind of crazy lopsided cup with handle. It kind of tightened up, but it didn't work. I never made a purchase, but I was watching it because no. I'll, you'll see that happen, right? Like Shopify. And that's why I'm I keep talking about Shopify because like I said, it's, it's one of, it really is a great stock to study because it, I feel like it's broken all conventional rules and, and, wow. and it's going. Um, but I got to see what it looks like right now because everything I'm saying could be incorrect. But, you know, it, it didn't make it. So then I started drawing this. Well, maybe it's going to make another crazy double bottom. And you can see I haven't extended the line, but it's gone much slower. <laughs> since I drew that initial line. So I don't think it's really in contention for a double bottom anymore, but this just gives you an idea of, you know, things that I'm looking for and where I've, I've made annotations. Um, so people out there 
kind of understand my my thought process. And and for our listeners today, we're we're talking on January twenty sixth, twenty twenty two, just so they have some context. Oh yes, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I didn't say the date earlier. <laughs> Here's the Tesla trade. So this is what I was describing earlier. This was, this is also a late bloomer pattern. We, we, we um, created names for all the pattern, IPO yes. patterns. Yes. And this was the due diligence phase. Here was the turbulent zone. And this is where it broke out. This was when um, Elon Musk, or they said they were finally going to make money. Mm -hmm. And so it had a big gap up at this point. And I actually did play this. I, I bought it here. Uh, I ended up selling it uh, here when it broke the 40-week line, consistent with the way that I've traded that I've explained. Yeah. Um, but I've done, you know, I did the different calculations at the MCP 35 because you have to re you have to redo it, right? When you have the pre every time it makes a new high, you have to redo the calculation to hmm. see where now your MCP 35 because it, obviously it's going to keep moving up. Um, so here I was saying there was, it did undercut if you enter a week, but if you had waited until Friday, you still would have had it. That was at this point right here. Wow. This was uh, where the COVID bear market. So the COVID bear market, if you had sold it in a week, you actually would have been out. But if you had waited till Friday, you would have been fine. Wow. And so then now fast forward to today, and this is actually completely accurate because this is 20. This is uh, January of 2021, but I can tell you it's it's still holding. Um, you'd be, uh, I don't have the, oh, 3,341% 3, gain at the MCP 35. So, and we're much higher than that now because I haven't been able to um, adjust this. And this is also split adjusted. So, wow. so you know, there's potential there. And, and I'm, I'm, I guess the kind of person that I am, I'm interested in potential that doesn't require a lot of trading where I can just sit and let the gains accumulate. Ultimately, yep. I think that's the person that I am. Yes. Yep. Oh, here it is. So at 666.77, and you know the price of Tesla now is 900 and something. I don't know if it's gone below that right recently. I know it did, it was at 1,000, and then with this current correction, it went to 900 something. I don't know if it's gotten to 800. But at $677, you're looking at, a 7,100% gain with an MCP 35 as your hold. So again, something to look into. <laughs> oh, um, Terrific. That, I just, I just love your mathematical. You, you're just, <laughs> your precision, it seems to me, is based on you being so, you so honor these rules that you have. Like you're just not, not double, triple checking yourself you you know exactly what you're doing when you're going in right. and when you're coming out and that just i imagine is so less stressful yeah i i kind of think of it that way um you know and i don't even like i said i don't even think about it because anytime i make over a hundred percent in a stock that's that's fantastic yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> So these are just, uh, you know, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know we'd actually end up focusing so much on the MCP capital, 35%. But so, but again, this, this is just cursory personal observations. Um, definitely best use gains of 100% or more. It is a way to hold a super growth stock for an amazing run. And it's also a stocking method. I didn't highlight this. This is another thing we're kind of looking into. Um, but it could also be a potential bottom, right? Because there's a lot of cases where like it might just get just over it, below it, and then it, and then it comes back. And then it could be a buy opportunity knowing, you know, with all that as a thought process, right? Not just be like, oh, this is a potential low. Like if you see it kind of setting up and the character changing. Um, so if you did want to sell it at, a retention of 50% gains or 60%, which is what I would probably do, I would still be watching it at this level as a potential re-entry. Wow. So, yeah. So just another thing that I'm looking at. So there you go. Pretty awesome. <laughs> wow, thank you. I think, uh, <laughs> you know what? I actually showed you the wrong presentation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started, the first one, you, it had our name on the top. I know, I know. Around. I didn't realize that. We popped you right. around. It's all you good. Did. You're, you're here. Us. 
You're this brilliant. Is just real fast, one more thing. Good. So here's Please. the Zoom. Here's the Zoom closeout. Okay. Now, Zoom is an example of where the midterm rule actually did better, uh, 276%. And so let's just quickly look at the chart. Yeah, please. Um, I think I pulled it up. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay. Uh -oh. Where are you? Not that. Oh, we don't want that. We're, get, we're, getting, we're getting so much bang for our buck. <laughs> I know, you really. <laughs> we're getting uh, two presentations in one. <laughs> yeah, so. This is so. Here's another example. So one more example for uh, you know what I'm looking for. So in this case, this was also uh, with the pandemic bear. This low coincided, but you know Zoom was the only one going up, right? So it was the obviousest leader in that time. Although scary, it's like oh everything's going down, but Zoom. But Zoom was what was keeping us all connected, right? As a world, for sure. Um, I was buying it here at this 40-week line. Uh, it was very volatile in here, but I had a low cost position, um, you know, because I talk about this line on the sell, but I'm also looking for it as my entry, especially on IPOs as they're transitioning to that institutional advance phase. So I'll start trying to build a position if I don't get a first mature base right away, and then I can buy more at the turbulence zone. And then that's what allowed me to withstand and hold on to these crazy gyrations. I mean, you know, it still held the 10 week line. So really nothing was wrong with it. They were just such wild swings, but because I had early entries and I was just holding at that point, just holding on so I could hold on to something, right? During this crazy market, um, I was able to do that. And then I didn't sell it till this point right here. But I wanted to show you because here you, it, when it broke the 10 week line, the midterm rule was getting you out over here. Cause again, it's a break of the 10 week line. Right. And I'm pretty sure it doesn't look like this, this, this was not a break. It has to break and then has to even break below that. So that's why it was in here. And then the 40 week was even lower than that. So that's why in this case, since it topped pretty quickly, the midterm rule actually was a better rule in this case. Makes so that's sense. just what I wanted to highlight. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I, I see that. I see why you wanted to point that out. It's, so. it's terrific. So, so if, if in closing, what would you say uh, is your advice to, uh, look, there are traders that are sophisticated too. At certain points in their career, they're going to need to pivot. And, um, you know, I imagine this time right now, because of the way the market is, maybe there's some people thinking about that. So what would be your advice to a trader who is experienced, um, who's fascinated by your conversation today, what would your advice to them be, direction to point them? Well, I think this is a really great time because the market is correcting. I mean, we need to be ready, right? So we can't, we can't turn away from it, but we're also at the beginning of the year. So it's a, you know, it's a really great time to like refocus and figure out like, you know, what do you want to, what kind of person or what kind of trader investor do you want to be this year? You know, and what do you want for your life? right? Do you want it to be all about investing or do you want it to be more about family, but family and investing? And then really zero in on, you know, the things that, that make you happy and how you want to spend your time. And then, you know, I think then coordinate it, you know, I guess plan it accordingly. Because um, that's really, I've kind of gone through that transition, especially with after COVID and the pandemic, it's like, what do I really want to focus my life on? And that's, again, why I narrowed down what I'm focusing on for those reasons. I mean, I, I still enjoy it. I still love it. But I found that there's other things that are important in my life. And so I think this is just a great time because we're starting from clear decks. Yeah. And, you know, where do we want to focus on in our trading specifically? And then just hone that skill as best we can. And then also the other things in our life to bring us joy, you know, and for our family and others. For sure. For sure. It's a just beautiful advice. I think it's just really, really <laughs> wise pointed people in that direction because if this, if these two years haven't have done anything, they should be teaching everybody that life is uh, precious and, uh, you know, there, there is, this is not a dress rehearsal as that famous saying goes, this is it. So make sure you're, you're present to that is what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. 
Moments matter. I have that on my vision board. Moments matter. Moments matter. I, I've not heard that, and I love it, and I probably will steal it from you and put it on my own post-it. So. That's okay. <laughs> they, they, are, they are where it's all at, for sure. Not just in trading, but in life. Right, right. For sure. Kathy, thank you so much. Maybe you'll let us have you back one day. We can be sure. <laughs> Absolutely. This was a great time. Oh, good. I'm so oh, thank glad. You. So, so happy to have had you. And thank you for just making it so clear and agreeing to our last minute request for those charts. You're a doll for doing that. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, anytime I can wear my Hawaiian shirts. That's I'll, right. That's right. <laughs> better. Well, Shane says regards to you. And uh, I can't wait to see. Uh, you know, what, what all of our listeners think, but I'm just, you know, very grateful Tim for turning me on to you. So thank you for coming and tell all your co-authors too. I can't wait to meet them and uh, thank them too for a great book. Thanks for making it so readable. It's just a fabulous read that I really feel, even though it's going to work for sophisticated traders, I think beginner traders also will get so much out of it. So thank you for it. We'll so wrap much. it up there. Please let us know uh, your comments, everybody. Those comments really matter to us. And uh, thank you for watching. And please go and find Kathy's book because it's a, an incredible read. And we'll see you next time on The Wall Street Coach. Aloha for now. This has been The Wall Street Coach Podcast with K-Man Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.